This is another way to see it, a show about perspective. I'm Randy, once lost soul, now on my path to flowing freely and curiously throughout my days, challenging myself daily to not only question the day-to-day moments, but to embrace them, meeting myself right where I'm at and meant to be. Living this way has allowed me to meet others where they are, walking beside them to help navigate some of the hurdles we all face, helping them to be free-flowing on their own journey. Hello, I'm Tracy, a somatic practitioner deeply rooted in the earth while simultaneously stretching towards the heavens, attempting to become a better ancestor each day by committing to well-being for all. I am a steward of healing and initiatory experiences and stay inspired by the capacity for resiliency and expansion in this human form, including soul and spirit. I love helping others along the path each moment, movement, and breath we are gifted. I'm Kim. I aspire to be a spiritual friend, helping you connect with the most authentic parts of who you are while navigating life in the real world and all of its complexities. I have a lifetime of experiences, deep intuitive gifts, and a very unique way of seeing things. I may have my head in the clouds, but my feet are firmly planted in the earth. Every episode, we hope to offer alternative ways of seeing and navigating everyday circumstances, giving you glimpses of possibility, a sense of community, and tools to help you on your journey. Thanks for tuning in to the Another Way to See It podcast. I'm Kim Moran, joined by Randy Poindexter and Tracy Holmeyer. And today we're going to talk about the 19 ways to a viable future for all Yes, written by Dina Metzger. And this is something I came across and was profoundly touched by, and we're going to introduce it and then kind of talk about what has touched us as unique beings who are concerned about the future of all of us on the planet. Dina Metzger is a poet, novelist, essayist, storyteller, teacher, healer, and medicine woman who has been working for over 50 years creatively addressing life-threatening disease, spiritual and emotional crisis, as well as community, political, and environmental disintegration. And she's really someone that I would consider an elder. Like when we talk about working with elders, like she is it. I'm not doing her justice, but I think her 19 ways speaks to her profound work. And I hope that listeners find it intriguing enough to go check out her work. Her information will be in our show notes. But let's just start by introducing what the 19 ways are. I think that's how we should go into this. What do you think? I love that. So on her website, she has a couple of paragraphs before breaking down. And and we were almost called to, which Kim brought forward, to kind of read these, to kind of plant the foundation for for why she feels uh, how important these are. So this is one guide to how we change our minds sufficiently to live differently and act in ways that will preserve the future and protect the earth and all beings. When we incorporate these ways of thinking, we will no longer be people who are, who do harm. But again, we have the change. We have to change our minds as we won't fully know what to do or how to do until we respond instinctively with different minds, values, and reflexes. These 19 ways indicate the areas where transformation can occur. The changes required are systemic and cellular. Too often these days, the very framing of the issues limit the possibilities. How will we survive? How will we thrive? How will we prosper? May no longer be the questions. If the we refers only to humans. We have to free ourselves from the programming, at least of the last century. It is a huge task, and it is possible. We have allies. They are not all human. The future is possible, but we have to offer ourselves to it unconditionally. When we do, guidance occurs. 
Spirit speaks to us when we open to it. The changes we are called to make so that the earth and all beings might survive are extensive and extreme. They require comprehensive and global shifts of consciousness and activity. No one is exempt from such a challenge. As extreme as this time, as are the dangers to all, are the signs of possibility we witness and experience each day. These are 19 ways that have been communicated to me over the years. They are certainly not the only ways, but it seems that each one is essential. They represent a significant change in consciousness from seeking development or vision for oneself to seeking out the precise offering one is being asked to make on behalf of the future. It could take a lifetime to apprentice oneself to even one such way of transformation. We are called to meet each one of them, and perhaps more. We are called to commit ourselves to recognizing and understanding the nature of each one of these as best we can, as quickly as possible. Each day, we have less time to enter these sacred ways. As indicated, these are ways that can be realized in community. That is, with each other and also through a direct and true relationship with spirit. Basic to entertaining and securing a fifth world are alliances with all beings and following the teachings of spirit. One of the, I just wanted to add this, this little blurb to the side, which if everybody goes to her website, they'll be able to read for themselves. But I love the the second part of this one paragraph that says, uh, there is only, t- there's time only to work slowly. There is no time not to love. And I just loved that little piece there, especially with all that's going on. There is no time not to love. There's so many things in this that strike me, you know, when she says that the changes required are systemic and cellular. That really hits home, right? That these changes are not just through legislation, right? Really heart-based changes, you know, that are profound. Oh, and it's also such a, a time that is needed, I feel, with how far an advanced technology is going that we really are losing sight of the natural aspects of where we live, you know, uh, and that kind of ties into one of the first ways is the natural world. And she talks about reconnecting to the earth. And uh, I feel there is a shift happening where people are starting to connect back to earth and starting to kind of live off the land again and and kind of living off the grid uh it's it's something that's passionate in me and i'm looking forward to 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 diving into that and hopefully the next the next adventure of my uh journey but we're seeing it i mean we have a friend justin that that is really working hard in his area down in texas to bring back natural plants that are meant for that land and so there is that shift happening. There are uh, Netflix series that are talking, talking more about healthy living and sustainability and stuff like that. So there is a shift happening. It's just, it, it's more than just ourselves. It has to come together from others and more. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this, these are 19 ways that like, in her offering, she says, can be ways. And if we commit ourselves to even a couple of them in our lifetime, I think the important piece here is that we begin these dialogues and we work through these ways, not because we're going to get them right in our lifetime, but you know, it's like many of the elders say that it's not passing it down untended, like sewing these 19 things within to your within your life and working each of these or even one of these into your life can make a profound, you know, shift. And, and um, in this first one, you know, the natural world earth, the primary source of life, if, if humans were not here, the life would rejuvenate, the earth would rejuvenate, rejuvenate itself back to life from all the damage that we've done. It is a, it is a self-sustaining organism and it provides us with everything we could ever need, but we are, uh, have overlooked that for so long. And it feels like even just this one topic, you know, it feels very surface to say this when it's such a deep 
and profound um, concept. Uh, but I love the languaging around this. We've disconnected from the natural world and made it human centric rather than being centric, right? It's in, you know, Francis Weller's work that being eccentric, where we take ourselves out of the center, can we recenter the land, the beings on the land, spirit in a way that is life sustaining? I'm so happy you said that. One of the things that came to me is that in the last line, she says, to save our lives, to save all life, to save life is to find all the ways to restore original relationships with the natural world and the beings of the natural world and the elements as kin. And that is a very indigenous concept to see ourselves in relationship with. There's this kind of understanding that as human beings, we are not nature, right? Like we're human and there's nature. Mm -hmm. And in indigenous cultures, they see themselves as descendants of the trees and the animals and the plants. And, you know, kinship is just a huge piece. And there's, you know, um, a Lakota phrase, all my relations. Right. And we tend to think, oh, my mother, my father, my auntie, my cousins, all my relations means our relation to the rest of the world. I like it's it's so in my body that I feel this way. And it's so foreign a concept in our modern civilization that we don't respect and have reverence for the relationship to the land. Right. Like we eat meat that we don't kill. We have no relationship to the animal that offers us and sacrifices itself for us. In traditional cultures, there was reverence and respect and gratitude and sacredness around that offering and the sacrifice. Um, So in so many ways, we are separated from our relationships. Like it's, It's so profound. And Randy, you're right. It's coming online. And I heard Dina Metzger say, you see people hugging trees now mm-hmm. where you didn't see that, you know, 20 years ago. And I think we are slowly getting back, but this idea about the connectedness of all things is sacred and requires reverence, right? Just a pause to say, where did this food come from? How How is this food nourishing my body? Like, where is the gratitude given for that? Mm-hmm. One of my teachers in somatic abolitionism um, brought forward this concept around the word ours or the word mine. And, and she said, you know, those who descend from colonization hear the word ours and they think rights and ownership and indigenous bodies, the peoples that, that were, um, on this land, particularly here in North America, prior, you know, when they hear the word ours, they think relationship and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the the idea of like rematriation isn't just to give land back, but to put land in the hands of people who are in relationship and take responsibility for the land and what lives on the land and what is produced by the land and how the land sustains all life from medicine to food to water to air. And so I think this piece is really necessary and really important because if you don't feel the earth under your feet and relate to it, you will abuse it. You will uh, override, you know, the, the, the relationship there not feeling like to your point kim that we are the same thing it's there's no separation when i put my bare feet on the ground i think i told you guys a while ago like i can't stand being on standing for too long and not touching real earth you know when i'm walking somewhere and it's a lot of sidewalks or asphalt or what like i will find like the tiniest patch of dirt just to to ground myself a little bit and not that i have to even put my feet in it necessarily but 
there's so much separation when I'm walking like in on a hardwood floor, if it's natural, obviously I like remember that the, that came from a living being, a tree, you know, it's having that relationship to all that is natural in the world without, you know, looking at it as what is our convenience? How is it useful to us? How can we make money off of it? How can we, right? Weaponize it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That relationship and responsibility to the land over when you hear the word ours over, this is mine. I own this. I think it's important. uh, And I'm glad you brought it up, Kim, around like the hunting and the food that we take for granted what's been sacrificed to, for us to eat and, and to have homes and stuff like that. And I was going to touch on it, which you already did, but like, I have friends that hunt um, and, and and they have a ritual because they were taught by their parents uh, or their dad and their grandfather uh, to, to kind of pay respect to the animal after they hunt it. And then I do have other friends that hunt for the game and realistically don't use all the resources from the animal. And it never bothered me before, but going onto this journey and having my awakening it it's painful it hurts and you know to each their own at the end of the day uh but it, it's something that's near and dear um that that weighs heavy on me when i do see it and you know you see other cultures culturals that still implement the ceremonies after a hunt and you know i catch myself now especially in disc golf uh that if you play in a a course that has a lot of woods and trees and stuff uh the the inside joke is like trees us you know be kind to us and don't let the disc hit all the trees in the way and and i always if i hit a tree i always go and put my hand on it you know maybe not in the exact spot but i'm like Sorry, Jesus. Let's let's try not to do that anymore. You know, and and it's just a joke, but like just touching that tree for me, you know, because we're 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 in their space. You know, they were there before the disc golf course, and so it's like for me, it makes me feel connected with that area and that those trees when I do play or when I do hike or whatever it may be, and it's. It's just so different now than it has ever been for for myself in the past. And it's because of the awakening, the curiosity, the desire to understand what's greater than me. Something that has been playing through my mind lately is, you know, I mean, the Bible is very divisive subject, but um, the creation story in the Bible when God gave what's been passed down to me and the translation that I learned was dominion over and the way that that works in my body and the way that I see it playing out in the world. And so I was very curious about the actual Aramaic word, right? Dominion over. And I really didn't get a good answer. I'm not a biblical scholar, but to me, the way that I would see a deity offering a gift is that it wouldn't be given with dominion over. It would be given with stewardship of. And that's just a truth that's in my body, that there is no way some some being could create something as beautiful and perfect as this and say, yeah, do what you like with it, right? It doesn't make sense. So I offer that as, you know, sort of a reference to that particular story, but also to what's happening, right? We are not, in my opinion, any better than any other creation or more important than any other creation. I I just don't feel that way. So that might be a little tricky for some people to think, what do you mean? like? 
we're not more important than trees. I just don't think that we could exist without, right? So it's all of it. Yeah, I think that as we move, you know, into number two is on her list is that spirit exists. I think that that's important to remember. If there is a creation that was made by universe, source, God, goddess, whatever name you want to assign there for your own beliefs and whatever way that it works, also created you right? Then it's like, what is our relationship to dominion over if it's us, if I'm the creation, right? And we want our autonomy and we want to be treated well and all of that, then we have to also do that to all other creations, all other beings. And and we can only do that when we remember that we are a spark of that thing. And everybody, one of my, you know, constant reminders and something that I'm working on all the time is that every being, whether I like them or not, is a beloved or a thou, just as I am. And when it comes to like controversy or difference of opinion, that's the first thing to go, of course. You can list off, rattle off several, you know, just in our own government that I'm like, nah, you're not a beloved. You're not, but but the truth is, is like as you name that around dominion over. I absolutely believe believe in stewardship. That was on my mind, just as you were saying. It was like, we're in stewardship too. Like, But if the earth is a creation and an elk is a creation and the rivers are a creation that we have dominion over and I'm a creation that could have dominion over, then that makes me check and think about what kind of dominion I want for myself. And then that applies overall. And that's an oversimplification for sure. But there's just this piece of remembering that we are a spark of the divine by being created, our birthright just by being here and coming into this place, just as everything else is and everyone else is as well, from a rock to a pebble. You know, and somebody might say, well, a human life or an animal's life is more important than a rock not being blown up, right? But to your point, right, if we can't coexist with what's here, whether it's a living thing in our way or it just is an energetic thing as all things on our planet are filled with energy inanimate or otherwise then i feel like they there has to be consideration in that way maybe not super realistic all the time and that's where i try to set like that's my baseline for understanding in that way i think my biggest struggle around this is the titles or labeling we put on spirit it's it's religion based or a higher power you know once again whatever you want to call it it's still spirit it's still higher than us and there's a presence with it and i can't change other people's views and thoughts but the biggest struggle i have is trying to relate to people not to change their mind but to relate to be in conversation with people that don't want to deviate off all they know and so it's like as y'all are talking it's like well how do how do we connect how do we have conversation how do we have communities that are bigger than us that aren't just like intended people around us how do we how do we make it bigger than just like within the three of us we are like intended we have very similar views mindsets and all that and so we could we could form a huge community around that which was what we're doing in the podcast but then you have other communities that don't that are going to push back what we think and believe and it comes from the well it's this way or the highway so how do how do we connect the disconnection between those could we read number 2 again just in its entirety so that we know what we're talking about spirit yes. exists spirit speaks to each of us in a particular and shared language entering into a dialogue with the divine developing and living according to a spiritual practice that develops from a real relationship with spirit. Sorry, Tracy, I just thought that needed to be read again. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we can read them as we go or, or, or not, but in this case, I think it is helpful because I think that creates like a baseline 
you know, with Randy's question is like each, right. It's, we're all subjective beings. It's all based on our experience. And so it's like what we consider a real relationship to the divine or to spirit is and can be individual. For me, I like to think about in the ways that I would say source or universe or goddess, uh, I don't, I, I try to remember based on, again, this is my beliefs that that, that entity or that body isn't a being. I believe that we are an ocean of beings that sustain that consciousness, that spirit, and we drop down into human form for our for our time here in in this body. And so cuz sometimes it can seem so there is a god, you know, I was raised recovering Catholic over here, raised Catholic and there's that that um Old Testament god, right? The the wrath and the discipline and the um you know, paying for your sins and and all of those crucifying and and things like that that are very make it feel like there's one entity that that no one else can live up to. And what I've come to to find peace in for myself is that it is a body of essence. It's a body of all spirits and all connection to all souls, whether we are are here or or have passed on. And so there's this reminder that it's not just one thing that's greater than me, but all beings that have ever lived life, right? Or or breathed life uh, are a part of that greater totality. So when there it becomes like differences, right? There's war on beliefs right now as we're recording this and who has a right to be here and what things should be allowed to believe in and and worship and model i like to go a little bit bigger and say that that this entity that holds all includes those you know so that when i'm having differences with people I, it's still an inclusion of those differences rather than one right and one wrong you know it's like i i never it was never right with me that i'm like wait so these are words of god but they were written by men Right. And I had this like cringy feeling like that doesn't make sense to me. So how do we know they're actually the words? Right. Because I've been lied to by a lot of men, but that's a different podcast for another day. Right. And I'm not saying women don't lie. Hold on. Let me correct myself real quick. You know, but I'm just, you know, there was like this part of me that's like, how do we know it's ultimate? And then it was like, why does, why does God have to be capped at what's in the Bible? Please don't send me hate mail. But why can't what's greater than all include the Bible, include the, you know, different, like every ism, every religion, every whatever. I wrote something down when I was thinking about this. I wrote, this is different, right? Spirit exists. This is different from strict adherence to doctrine and comes from a loving connection with rather than out of fear of eternal punishment. Mm -hmm. So wherever you are in your spiritual religious practice, it boils down to one thing, love. Love is something that is, we know it's transformative. If you can sit across from an enemy in quotes and find the place where love exists within them, you have transcended doctrine, you have transcended faith, that that place of love, whether you start to talk about the people that each of you loves, right? And get down and start drilling, 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 drilling down. There is a place of love within each being. I That's what I believe. And so those conversations are very difficult. There was a woman a long time ago that I met and she started a nonprofit project. I don't remember the name of it, but basically she would go into places where there were tremendous conflict, right? Like it could be a foreign country where there were warring factions. It could be within a sort of victim perpetrator role. And she would bring these people and their families together to sit down and have these very difficult conversations with the intention of them finding some type of peace and healing. So I know that this is possible. And I think that love is the spiritual relationship 
that is greater than practice, greater than doctrine, greater than everything. And Mm -hmm. the story that came to me when I was sitting with this number two, the spirit exists, was the story of Siddhartha, who became Buddha. He was this very wealthy prince, lived in a very sheltered way. He was protected from everything. And one day he ventures outside of the palace walls and sees suffering, aging, and death. And it changed him. And so number two and number one go together because after studying with a lot of teachers, he spent 49 days sitting under a tree in meditation. And when he came out, he was enlightened. So in in my view, if someone is questioning their relationship with spirit or the intelligence of creation, all you have to do really is be with nature to feel that loving relationship. Just go to nature for an hour every day and sit there and pretty soon something's going to happen. <laughs> Randy's not <laughs> sure. Uh, no, it's not that I'm not sure. It's just like I said all that and I asked the question and then like as as Tracy was talking, I was just like, well, in all the history that we know of of Earth, that there's been different culture cultures that believed in different things. And they didn't always agree with each other, but there was also that respect. You know, there, you know, I go back to like, like in the movie Troy, they allow after the battle to each side take their debt to do what they, whatever practice they believe in. And there was that mutual respect. And then, like, Kim, you touched on that. There's always love. That's the common ground. And so, like, we have that. And I guess it's just like finding the community that works for you to be able to thrive and to transcend and grow as an individual within that community that you connect with. And I might even say the community within yourself, because sometimes the community is not present every day, right? The community of creation, the community of nature, the community of spirit, the community of the elements. So we're not, even if we're in community that's very like-intentioned, we don't always agree, right? We don't always see through the same eyes. We haven't had the same experiences. So difference doesn't negate the presence of spirit or the presence of connection or the presence of love. I keep, I love it. Like I get a little excitement every time you, either of you have said like intention, because you know, that's like always been my, like, we don't have to be like-minded. We're not like-minded, like intentioned over like-minded. I made sure I use that word. That (laughs) Thank you. That gets me excited. That makes me feel good. Um, But yeah. And I think, you know, there isn't a time, look through history. I mean, there's never been a time, you know, even if there is respect for other belief systems, it's also been, you know, religious factions have been the reason for war. Our, 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 our gods are the reason for war throughout humanity and, and, and mankind. And I think it's, you know, that, that saying, right, religion divides, faith unites. And I think that 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 word contains and includes love as well as a premise of, of, you know, a pillar of what it, it takes to believe in something greater as there has to be love and, and um, also the decentering to remember someone else's or something else's experience um, as just as important or um, necessary for, you know, individuals but it's it's I'm finding it interesting too as we're going through this list, they kind of like one cup pours into the next one. And and we've touched on like the community piece, which is number three here on her list of of um essential things. And I think we talk a ton about community. Um, but the organization of community within self, within nature, within other beings and bodies, 
um, we've gotten so far from that, which the whole point of this uh, offering is a viable life. So it's time in community to start looking at and questioning the ways that community is stripped from us, the ways that like systemically how community is torn out, like in every, in every way that you turn the ways that community is made less important or uh, non-essential or unavailable. And why, you know, that goes against a viable, a viable life. So as we're speaking to like, you know, nature and then spirit and then including community. And this is a short one, so we can add it here. But, you know, she says, recognizing and living aligned with community as an essential vessel and means of transformation. And we know for sure through our own experiences that that everything is enriched by belonging to, sharing with, involving, including with discernment other other bodies you know so it's it's this piece around it's not just doing the work for self but how we bring that into community which kind of leads into number four we don't have to skip ahead but also that you know the wisdom that we all carry individually you know i say all the time i wish i could do what i do if i you know had millions of dollars and didn't need to worry about making money i would do what i do and not charge anything and then I could go to my neighbor who doesn't kill for sport, like some people that like to hunt that way. Randy, when you're saying that, I was like, oh, for sport, it's so gross, you know, but but for for people that are uh, farmers or people that like it, and then we all went to each other, that that self-sustaining system and community keeps us viable and it, and it brings us back to our individual purpose as well, because we all have something unique to offer that community. The interesting thing, since we're skipping ahead, maybe we'll get to four or five, but um, community and then council, because if you were to wipe the slate clean and say, okay, we're going to organize a community, how should it be organized? I think it would be very quick to say, okay, well, we need a leader, right? (laughs) We need someone to lead us. And that is an interesting reflex. If we we're really to do this exercise of like what would creating a self-sustaining community look like this number four council um she speaks to council we seek to access the wisdom that we do not carry individually by what arises among us listening to each other is more important than speaking like wow in this society everyone's got something to say don't we speaking and counsel is a commitment it is truth telling we speak from our deepest selves and stand by and live by what we say so it's very interesting because it sounds like leadership is shared right the responsibility is shared and that listening is a core value as opposed to telling. So it seems like when you lay it out like that in opposition to what is currently happening or the way that we learn, the way that we're raised, that we are often spoken down to and told what to do. A big complaint we hear a lot as coaches and professionals in this area is I want to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. So those opportunities right off the bat and that we, when we talk, we're held to what we say, right? What we say, we have to do. And there's a community of people holding us to that. So we can't just be spouting off and TikTok on this day and that day and just saying whatever we want because what we say is what we do and those things hold weight. I can't help but but want to talk about and question is like when you say let's have council or let's build a community i agree there does not need to be one sole leader and so going into council like what would that council look like of leaders and initially it goes straight to elders right they they've lived they've experienced they have knowledge 
And then it's like, well, why couldn't a younger soul be part of that council to give a different perspective than just what has gone on in the past or the knowledge from the elders? And so it makes me think that there needs to be a diverse within the council to have different lenses and different inputs and different views. And so like, I instantly go into like shop, uh, the dealership world and, and the, the reign of power that is in that with the GM, the service manager, the dispatcher, the shop foreman and the techs and, and then the breakdown of the text of like older text versus younger text, the younger text had no leg to stand on to try to be seen or heard as like ways to improve efficiency because it was overlooked because they don't have the, t- the tenure of an older tech. And so that's something I struggled with is like, man, this is not efficient. Why don't we like, trying to change it or refine it to make it more efficient and it was shut down because oh this is how it works and it works just fine but as a younger tech i had a different view on it but it never got implemented and i think that's something that allowed me as i went on into the automotive career and to become a young shop foreman is i was able to implement those changes and those and trial and error, right? Like I did things that worked and did things that didn't work, but it was switching it up and allowing a different perspective. And I think that's something that we don't carry enough into community is the diversity of, of inputs. Yeah, I don't, there isn't a part of me that, that feels like excluding I almost want to say fresher to this world, <laughs> you know, like like newer to this world um, uh, experiences. I do think that lived experience through those trials and tribulations leads to wisdom for sure. But I, I don't think that excluding young people is the move at all. I think they have to be, I think they have to be folded in in order to shape them to become elders at some point. I don't think that there's another, I think they have to be included as part of their um, preparation for becoming the wise elders that we so desperately need um, in the world. So, yeah, but it, it is, the systems don't work that way. And again, right, we're, I think, Kim, to your point, like imagining it is very hard when we are so conditioned towards certain things. It's hard to even allow ourselves to vision or imagine or hold uh, room for other ways of being, you know, when I've worked with people and there becomes a new reality. The first is I never thought this could be like, this wasn't even something I could envision for. If you had told me this three years ago, two years, ago, whatever, 20 years ago, there wouldn't have been room for this. I think that imagination piece um, is is desperately underdeveloped in most of us because we we don't, you know. And and there's an there's a privilege and an advantage to that too. You know, when your life is a certain way, you don't always have room to imagine. It can actually be harder to use your imagination and hope for a world that isn't your reality. It can be crushing to a soul as well. But I think it's. Uh, I think that it is hard to imagine when we're conditioned, you know, to a certain way as, as our reality. Council is not just people, but it's also the physical space that's created for all people to input, right. Mm -hmm. To give their experience. And don't forget that certain members of council include the animals and the trees and the spirits and the mm-hmm. elements, right? That needs to be present too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is I heard a study about genius. And at some point in the 60s or early 70s, a group of scientists wanted to study genius. And uh, they studied a bunch of children 
pre-kindergarten, like 90% of these children were considered geniuses. Studied them again, same group in fifth grade, and the number had shrunk to like 40%. Studied them again at 15, 2% were considered geniuses. So there is this correlation to the way that we live our lives in this modern post-industrial civilization that limits creativity, limits imagination, and limits genius as, I don't know how they um, set it out, but I think we've gone through the first four of 19 ways. And so some of the questions that have come up for me are like, I got one and two, like I'm working one and two actively trying for three as we sit together in community and sort of share our ideas out to the greater world, members of different communities. But the fourth one, council, you know, I'm I'm taking that inward and saying like, do I listen more than I speak? In what ways am I hearing other people's perspectives and then really actively trying to chew on that and think about things maybe through different lens. Where is counsel in my life? Where am I received and listened to, et cetera, et cetera. And it might be something to, I don't know, I'm going to work with that one this week. For me, uh, and I'm glad you touched on counsel and like that within, looking within of, of do I talk more than I listen? And like I closed my eyes because I instantly wanted to go back to, you know, pre-awakening, you know, <laughs> call it that, of I really always wanted to get the last word in or make sure I had a story to one-up the story that was just told. And I always wanted, like, I wanted to start talking before the person was finished. And now I... It doesn't always happen, but there is more time than not that I really try to soak in what I'm listening to and not just in words, but like the energy that is being put into it in a conversation. And and so, man, it, it's 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 like a weight lifted off when I don't have to feel like I need to get in the word right away. There's so much pressure on that. And it's like programmed in us to constantly go right back to it so i i agree with you a lot on that kim is there's 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 still so much work and this is not a a one-time workshop i mean this is a, a lifetime journey so yeah i i think that's that's a, obviously a huge uh lacking in in our experience as we know it right now is the you know and there's a lot to be said for that right there's uh, the urgency piece and there's the what it means to be right or to have the answer mm-hmm. what does that garner you what does that get you what does that offer you in our culture and so the reasons so i think it's like starting to check for what is it about me that feels like I need to be speaking? Or why is it that I feel compelled to to not listen more? What does it signal to me or anybody else in the dynamic if I don't have the right answer? You know, so it's like working those things within our bodies the way that's been conditioned in order to start listening more and starting with the self is a beautiful place to start. And, and, you know, that internal family dynamic family system is what these different parts of myself has to offer. And then, you know, coming back to the body over and over and over again is what is what I'm hearing? How is that impacting my experience, what my internal system has to say about what I am hearing, what does it, you know, what are my beliefs around it? What is instigated? What images come to mind? All of those, those different pieces. So I think it can be really difficult to try to just listen if we don't simultaneously work the parts of us that, that think it gets us something 
in order to be right or to have the answer or to be the knowing one in the room, et cetera. There are certain advantages in culture to, to being one that holds that. So, uh, I do, I think it's wildly important to learn to not need to answer right away. You know, we have everything that's working against us. We have this need to know and I need to know right now society. So somebody brings you something is like, Hey, this is, you know, something I'd like to dialogue around. Here's where I am with this and then letting there be time. Right. We have this urgency and moving from conversation. I need to know right now. I need to, you know, in, in relationship. Oh, is that, does that mean like it's over? We're going to break up or, uh, so what does that mean? You know, there's all of this filling in and meaning making that we have around what it is to speak first or to speak a lot versus truly listening. And just one little practice I love to do with people that I'll posit here is imagining drawing uh, an ear on one palm and a heart on the other, and then just seeing where the hands want to go on your body and listening with loving compassion to that place on your body that might have something to offer you or something to say. So starting very, very small with the, not it's not really small, but like, you know, <laughs> to put it into perspective, it is not a small thing to listen to yourself, but one, you know, act of listening could be imagining wherever your hand go hand goes that there's an ear listening to that part of you um could be really helpful when you're just starting out and what it means to listen and or speak from truth versus what's expected from us too i'm so glad you said that and that's a beautiful practice because when you were speaking i got the sense that if we listen to find truth, to hear understanding, et cetera, et cetera. If we practice quality listening and we practice um, impeccable speech, right? So that when we respond, it's really deep and true. I think the ratio of talking versus listening and the quality of those things becomes better, becomes, uh, I don't know, how to say it, like words are not my thing really, but I hope I'm conveying the idea that if you say less, but what you say is more truthful, more authentic, more meaningful, I feel that would be a great thing for this world. It'd be a lot quieter mm-hmm. and a lot better. I remembered what Dina Metzger said that was so interesting. You had touched on this, Tracy. She said, sometimes the questions aren't available in this time, that sometimes you have to reach through to another dimension to gain access to questions, different ways of being, different things to do. And one of the most beautiful examples she gave was, you know, Einstein's thought process, that he wasn't even dealing with what was available in this moment in time. He was reaching to another dimension to get to get these questions, to start this work. And when he brought it back here, everyone was like, what is this? Where is this coming from? And I think that's such a beautiful, mystical way of thinking about it because old ways, old indigenous ways of being, being in community, traditions, reverence, etc., has been kind of shelved for a long time. And it's almost as if we're reaching back to bring something that's very important to the future of all beings on this planet, something that was there in the beginning has subsequently been lost and now is found and is being discussed. I don't know. It's just a very interesting concept that she brought forward. The one line I did love around council was that speaking in council is commitment. Hmm. Commitment to, and, you know, we've talked previously about like the different words for me that would be devotion because i do think that that things change and what you know our word has to mean something but we can also change our mind we're human beings too but like it's the commitment to conversation the commitment to listening the commitment to being informed by um and that not costing us anything so it's showing up love it new tattoo ideas 
What? New tattoo idea, is that what you said? <laughs> uh, I Something that she wrote that we read earlier, something about this being an offering mm-hmm. that we're making instead of a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that feels like what you just said, right? Your commitment to is devotion, mm-hmm. right? And how these different words really do change the way that we're able to access material. Because if I come to you and I say, oh, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're like, well, 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 wait a minute. I don't know. But if you say, what is your offering to this mm-hmm. pursuit? Very different. So much more invitational. So much more invitational. You think about it from the lens of like healing and that you're going to a person to experience their perception from a different lens, right? Like I've told people all the time, like go getting help isn't because you can't do it. It's because that we're all supposed to contribute to the gifts for each other to heal. And so when you take that pressure off that I'm going to this person and they're going to tell me the right way or the fast way or the whatever and i have to do it their way this is it's totally different it's here's my offering to this experience here's what i'm gifting what you're going through and take it or leave it right it doesn't mean you have to go they're right and i'm wrong or something i hear that like why didn't i ever think of that it wasn't supposed to be that way mm-hmm. certain things are given through to other people to be a gift to come through the earth and that's how you come to it you know, so I think that that's an important piece to remember because it uh, obliterates the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. If counsel is simply making an offering, then there the p- power dynamic doesn't come to be. Well, so like it gives you the choice, and, and like especially for me, if you tell me it's this way, I'm gonna rebel. That's just, just how I am, and so like. I think it takes a lot of pressure and weight off to to reframe that as a choice, as an offering versus this is how it is, because you're going to get those people that are going to be like, you're not telling me what to do. I'm going to go do my do my own thing. And so I don't know. I, I think it just takes the weight off of it to just reframe certain words and sentences uh, around all this stuff that we're always talking about it because it. It is heavy and there is a lot of weight involved. And so like, you know, this is, I guess, my offering to the listeners of like, you know, if something, if something is stirring up within and it's heavy, you know, reframe it, see how you can, you can bring it down to, to be able for it to be manageable. You know, that, that's something I have to do a lot is like, man, that, especially with, with you two, it's like, man, that's some heavy shit. You know, I need to process it and 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 spend some time with it and, and reflect with it. And so it's just, you know, doing what you have to do and what works for you to process and 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 get through what you need to. So it's removing the weight. That's just the easiest way to do for me. Resma Menachem says, "Nibble, do not gorge. Nibble, take nibbles." Do not gorge yourself. Right. And I think that's important in any way because we are, this is a strong word to use, but we become useless if we are collapsed by or unable to stay with. Whatever that is on the other side of the, the collapsed by or staying with, if those things happen, if we don't have the capacity to stay with, we become useless in whatever it is. And so it it is, it's like nibbling to the degree while simultaneously that commitment to responsibility and accountability that we really have to, to work on and build that capacity. This last week, I, it, it was all I could do to continue to stay informed of, of the conflict in the Middle East. And I am not by any stretch saying I know what's going on, but in, in my past, I would have turned it off. I would have looked away. I would have been like, not here, not my problem. And something that I've I've in commitment to, it's continuing to have conversations, staying as open as I can to the experience of certain peoples, um, to, to being informed, 
rather than blindly, you know, believing in, um, and, but that, that ability to stay with is, is a muscle you have to work. Wait, and it gets fatigued very easily. I do understand that. I think that's a piece around counsel too, is like coming to people in community and saying, this is what I'm rocking with right now. What does this word or concept or belief system or war mean to you? How do you find yourself in it? Like I always say, take what works, leave what doesn't, and stay curious about both in those dynamics. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I think Francis Weller uses the word titrate. And I think when Randy was talking, there was something in me that was like, that is so true and so evident about what is present in our current culture that we have a choice to disengage from, right? Or a, a, a like an idea that we can choose to disengage from. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of me that's like kind of like the rebel and the antagonist and all like the, you know, like you're going to fucking see this, that you can choose to turn your attention away from and still things go on. So then you become a victim of the things that happen without your attention. I think when we talk about really old communities, rites, rituals, each person has a a gift, an offering, and a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that turning away has become a choice for us, whereas it wasn't necessarily a choice in the kind of um, indigenous communities that we might be referring to mm-hmm. here. And so as we reimagine or we sort of start to do this work, I what you said very wonderfully, Tracy, is try not to turn so far away that you become a victim of what is happening without your attention. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys, we could just keep going. But I know we <laughs> topic and we will return to do a few more of these. And I'm so thrilled with how each of you has processed some of these ideas, brought them through your experiences and working with them in your lives currently. So I'm really grateful for you both sharing. I think it's a, you know, whether I go by this list or not go by the list, it's the concepts. What are the qualities that we need to start making change? You know, people like, what do I do? Everybody wants an action list, right? Pick one of these sit with it, notice what comes up, define things, take the words in each of these offerings or a few of them and, and figure out what like the definition is versus how you define, right? What does counsel mean to me? The first thing that comes to mind might not be actually how you can relate to the word counsel. So the things that we, when, when I think of counsel, like it goes to counselor or, or in my Catholicism, like I received counsel and that was like, you're doing it wrong. Here's the right way, et cetera. You know, so now, but if I can expand my awareness around meanings and definitions and how I hold these things in my own, that's how we can actually create some movement, some change. We can at least loosen the places that we get stuck around possibility for change. So I appreciate, I appreciate that as well. Like just coming into it in these bite-sized pieces of what happens in us as we experience these ways to be more viable. Couldn't agree more and add in the, for me, it's the curiosity and the conversations, like listening to what y'all both have to say around the same topic and knowing you know what comes up for each individual is different and the curiosity to to see where it comes from and and where it goes with it it's just this is this is what it's all about i mean being in this in this container with you guys so uh thank you as well and uh yeah can't wait to see what's next I am going to say thank you to the audience and offer this with the harvest holidays coming and families and friends gathering. 
if it feels right to you, it might be something that you offer for some dialogue over you know, the gathering season. So I'll put it there. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye. If you like this episode, please be sure to like it, share it, and write a brief review. If you want to support us in our efforts to grow this show, you can become a sponsor by following the link in our show notes. Please reach out through our IG page with show ideas and topics. 